Welcome to the Sloppy Boys Blowout, where we have a little extra fun here for the Patreon people. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mike Hanford, and I'm here with Tim Kalpakis. Yo! And Jefferson Dutton. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson Doubtfire. Very Doubtfire-ish of you. Doubtfire-esque. Uh, welcome to the, welcome you two to the Blowout. It's fun to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks. Oh my God, the hospitality for coming from this guy. Yeah, when I'm hosting uh, the the blowout, it's sort of is everyone comfortable? Does everyone have anything to eat, drink, <laughs> say? Yeah, I'm looking at a huge spread of food and then carafes and carafes of the finest <laughs> vino. You know what I've got over here? Oh, that is oh. a but one of the remaining Bud Light seltzers from my sweater pack. What flavor? The worst one, peppermint <laughs> patty. Ew. Oh, how could you? <laughs> I went through all the other ones. That's a very funny thing to sip. Take a sip. I want to see what happens to your face. There it is. <laughs> it's, Ooh, he loves it. Look at him. It's a frown. It's so gross. It's fascinating. But I need to be loose. I need to be loose on the pot. It's not a good taste, but it is a well-created taste. Oh, Bud Light. Jefferson, you guys are both Yeah, I got a Bud Light here. Anheuser, no, InBev products. Now, if you are a uh, Patreon-only person and do not listen to the regular main feed pod, you're probably like, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> do you think there's anyone who just listens to the Patreon? A lot of people only like to listen to things they pay for. That's true. They don't like free listens. No handouts. That's their motto. Yeah. No hand-me-downs. Folks, we got a special one today. We're talking about another movie. A movie that is near and dear to me, the J-Man that he does. <laughs> oh, is it really? You a hold softy. Well, I figure any movie I've seen more than like two or three times must be near and dear to me. Okay. Did you, how, now the second and third time, were they intentional viewings or was it just on? Every time is intentional, Tim. <laughs> Whoa. This guy is popping in the DVD and hitting play. I've watched this with no fewer than three or four girlfriends. Oh. Uh, oh, so it's it's part of uh, your game when you're getting your swerve on. And each time, <laughs> each time, Jeff's like, I've never seen this before. Oh, what happens now? <laughs> um, th- th- next, the woman kisses the... Dork man? Mm, sounds pretty <laughs> no, good. No, no. <laughs> Guys, I can already tell you're veering into parody. The d- oh. d- danger zone. I would never parody. Too soon, guys. I'm a satirist. All right. We haven't even gotten to the synopsis yet. Okay, okay. okay. But that is helpful for me to know that, uh, Dutton, you you know it. You, you, you like it. This is because I'm fresh. First viewing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So Tim is a fresh view. Mike, what are you? I'm fresh view too. Although as I was watching it, I was like, oh, I've seen this scene or I've I've heard of it or I knew about I it. I bet you have. There's one iconic scene that I've seen parodied many times. Just going back to saying the danger zone. Sure. Uh, I'm hoping for Christmas somebody gets me like a sound effect board uh, or something because I wanted to be doing sound effects on this show 
But for now, I'll just be doing things like danger zone and oh yeah. You're doing it manually. Yeah. I like that. It's got like an analog character where it's never the same oh. way twice, you know? You guessed it. <laughs> oh, damn. And and see this way, with if you have a piece of hardware, you're limited by its memory. Right. But if it's you, you could make any sounds. You're not limited by bits and bytes. And also I can I can customize them. I don't have to actually grab them from something that actually happened. So, you know, say something here, Jeff. Cheers, buddy. Uh, that's an original one, Lois. Peter Griffin. Yeah, but you know, I made it up. I don't know if he says that on the show. And it works perfectly when someone says cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys remember when we uh, pestered uh, Seth McFarlane that one time? Uh-huh. Yes, I do. It was early we on. We were brand new to L.A. Yeah. Brand new in L.A. And, you, and at the time, you think anytime you see a famous person, you're obligated <laughs> to interact with them, which is exactly dead wrong. Right. Um, but we were at the Fox and Hound pub up in the valley. We saw Seth MacFarlane, I believe, on a date and probably not, <laughs> a, not wanting to be fucked with. And we bothered him. We, we, yeah, because we had we were sitting at a table and on the wall behind us, there was a, a crest of arms and the name on it was Griffin. <laughs> so we like waved our arms and we're like, Seth, Seth, Seth. And he was like, yeah. And he, and we waved him over and he walked over to a table and then we turned and pointed to the name, <laughs> to the name Griffin. Oh boy. And he gave, he said, okay. Yep. And he walked out. <laughs> he was nice about it. He, he also, that wasn't the first time we talked to him that night. Oh, really? <laughs> that that was the second or my second. <laughs> I do. Maybe it was another night at that same bar, but I have a memory of uh, seeing Dave Coulier at the bar. And oh, yeah. I walked up to uh, tell him that I liked America's Funniest People. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he said, thank you very much. And he um, had a Tic Tac in his mouth and his breath was really minty. So I, I, it was a loud bar and I go, your breath is minty. And he's like, what? And then I, so I leaned into his ear. Your breath is minty. <laughs> He said, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. Double compliment. Another very nice guy. The best sighting I ever had in LA was I was at, I think it was Home Restaurant. You know, Home down there on uh, yeah. Yeah, Hillhurst. Right by Hillhurst, me. yeah. Right near Tim's house. I was there on the patio having some uh, breakfast with my brother and sister-in-law. And they had been in LA for like the whole week. And like, we didn't really see any celebrities. And some, I'd see some people I recognize from TV shows. I'd be like, oh, that's a guy from a show. I don't watch the show. I know you guys don't, but that's that person. <laughs> so like, okay. On the last day they were there, we saw Uncle Phil and Jeffrey eating from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, eating together. 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 Wow, it was that's great. That's cool. And they both had, they had two big like Mastiff dogs with them. I love seeing uh, people like that stay in touch. Yeah. But Mike... Yeah, that gets bonus points for being two people from the same show and that you had your family with you. So that's a big sighting. Yeah. But I don't think, I think that your best sighting is ever is that time that you saw Quentin Tarantino driving the pussy wagon. Driving the pussy wagon. That was cool. And I said, Hey, I love the movie. And he, uh, he like looked over and gave me a, you know, shot me the guns. That's, that's so fucking cool. cool. To, to drive cool. the car from the movie. And then he probably wants people to recognize him. So you did. And then it was like <laughs> transaction completed. Yeah. He was he was driving it like towards Warner Brothers, so I think he was probably like bringing it to Warner Brothers to drop off. <laughs> like, I've do, done. Do, <laughs> do you think that that's what gave him the idea seeing you? 
Uh-huh. That's where you got the idea for Brad Pitt's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, he's like, hey, geez, uh, a handsome Hollywood guy? Huh, I should go find... <laughs> no, I think he probably said, oh, a uh, story about an ugly Hollywood guy. Well, why don't, why don't we get Brad Pitt? <laughs> the ugliest guy I know. Guys, let's get into the movie of the day. Sure. Wait, you don't want to talk about, the Jeff, the time you and I saw George Clinton at the bank? What are you talking about? <laughs> when we got to L.A., maybe you weren't with me. I thought it was when you and I went to go open bank accounts. <laughs> I feel like I was there. We saw George Clinton? <laughs> yeah, we saw George Clinton. He was get, he was doing some banking. He was wearing a big uh, yellow jumpsuit. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he had like rainbow dreads. Yeah, he did. <laughs> okay, but you don't want to talk about that. You want to get into the episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, would you just say the damn synopsis of this damn movie? All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hold on, I'm adjusting my chair. Here's the synopsis. I don't know where to attribute it to, but it's a widely used synopsis. So if they're going to sue us, they got to sue 50 other websites before they even get to us. It's not going to happen. My lawyer's a shark. Love Actually. Nine intertwined stories examine the complexities of the one emotion that connects us all. Love. Hmm. Among the characters explored are David, Hugh Grant, the handsome newly elected British Prime Minister who (laughs) falls for a young junior staffer, Sarah, Laura Linney, a graphic designer whose devotion to her mentally ill brother complicates her love life, and Harry, Alan Rickman, a married man tempted by his attractive new secretary. 2003, guys, let's get into it. Okay. Well, well, what a movie this was. This was, uh... It was something. Ring dong, ding dong, <laughs> yeah, it was, ring right. dong, It's ding Christmas. Dong. I should be in the Christmas spirit. I loved it. Before we get into it, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll say this. Yeah. Is this movie schmaltzy? Yes, it is. However, <laughs> it's a fucking Christmas movie. It's a romantic comedy. Yeah. Okay. I find it's, uh... I find it's rather dry Britain wit. <laughs> Quite welcome in this R-rated rom-com. It's fun. Here's what I'll say about this. Like, you know, it's like if there were a few things that were just like, oh, yeah, I guess they get away with it because it's a rom-com or a Christmas movie. But every single storyline in this movie is insane and doesn't uh, work the way anything works in real life. Name one. (laughs) Name one. Name nine. I'll name nine for you. (laughs) I'll name nine. This... This movie made me think about, and this is a general thing, so it's not even tied to any one plot point, but this is a film that made me very aware of the fact that every movie you've ever watched in your life, every single one was written by a writer (laughs) (laughs) and and never more ever because we're ta- this is a big, expensive cast. Very good cast. And I would say this is a well-directed movie. Um, and also, I was watching this. I, I don't want to hate on Love Actually. That is uh, tr- quite trite for a tough guy like me to... You want to, love to, to succeed. Yes, and I have a place in my heart. I, I love Nancy Myers. I love the uh, both Father of the Bride movies, so I'm not above mm-hmm. a rom-com. But when I was, I was watching this, I just kept being like, this guy... Who's writing, you know, um, what's his name? Curtis, 
Russell Richard Curtis. Curtis Richard yeah. Curtis. He's like a legend on the BBC. He was like the <clears throat> Mr. Bean writer and yeah. all, all this big stuff in the 80s. And then this, then Four Weddings and a Funeral. He's got some hit movies and now he's really throwing some money around. But I, every time, every story, I was like, these stories are all so similar to each other. And it's because they were written by the, the same guy. And the guy appears to be a 200-year-old, lonely, emo, masturbating writer boy. Yes, yes. You know what let me know that this movie was written by a writer? Was Colin Firth type, type, typing away at the lake house. As soon as you see a character who's a writer, it's it's already like, oh boy, that's so many points yeah. off from the jump. Well, they didn't go that... Usually what you see is advertising executive magazine editor uh you know it's like 10 degrees off in in spanglish uh adam sandler is a hit chef uh but this one just says no pages pages piled on a desk (laughs) next to a doc too but there's there's a million characters in this yeah and i think this i i truthfully have not seen New Year's Day and the million movies that kind of aped this format. This wasn't the first movie to do the whole like ensemble thing, Huge but I cast, think yeah. it, it definitely like brought it back for the aughts. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, because all of those Gary Marshall movies kind of r- ripped off this one and other, um, uh, who's the director guy that's like, you know, um, MASH and- um, uh, Altman? Oh, Altman, that's a whole different tone. He does ensembles and many stories, but like th- this was the start of a new genre. Yeah. And um, it's been like the formatty stuff of like, oh, we don't know how all the people know each other. It's been done poorly a lot too. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys saw Crazy Stupid Love. Mm-hmm. So that's another one where it's like a much smaller cast. And there's really only one big like, oh, no, that person's related to this person. That complicates a relationship we've already come to know. Uh, Whereas this movie has tons of that throughout. I thought this movie was like a good movie. Like, because people, a lot of people like it. Thank you. No, no, no. (laughs) Going into it, I thought it was like a really well-made movie. movie. Hey, say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I was watching, I was like, oh, do people like this because of its like, uh, you know, not hate watch is probably not the right word, but like, are people watching this like knowing it's bad? I guess that's the point is everyone's like knows it's all kind of out there. I think it's gone through a few different layers where I do think I don't remember it coming out, but in the immediate aftermath, it was like a hit movie. Mm-hmm. And then I do think it like was on TV a lot and then it sort of became like this beloved rom-com that was a little bit of a punchline. Like your boyfriend has to watch this with you. Mm. But then more recently, a few years ago, then there's been like this almost ironic resurgence of what you're talking about, where it's like, we love this movie. Even if we don't really like it, we watched every year. And then more recently kind of dissecting the weird gender dynamics of how every man is dating a young employee and pointing out that that is Strange. Yeah. Right. There's uh, a lot of just like the men are choosing what's happening to all the women. And mm. Rickman's wife is uh, Emma uh, Thompson. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's like, she's the most like, uh, per- she's like the most uh, person person. I, 
I empathized with her. Let's jump into that one because that I feel like that's the big nut of this movie is the fucking Joni Mitchell that's good. CD scene. That's a good good plot point. And the fact that she saw it coming t- makes it hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's what I was like. Oh, did he? Okay, cool. He put it. He put the um, the necklace in there. Good. We're gonna get that. And then it was like I was surprised when she got the Joni Mitchell thing. And she's so in that moment, her face is so good. She's realizing that her husband. Because she even later puts it in a category where it's like, are we talking about, did you just buy this and you bought it? Did you buy it and there's sex or did you buy it and there's an affair and there's feelings? So you can yeah. see in the fact that it's like a heart-shaped necklace that he gave to his secretary is so much worse. Mia, her name is Mia. <laughs> <laughs> she was insane, by the way. That was like, that was way over the top. Like not she was insane, but like the choices of like, She's talking to him, like opening her legs at her desk. I was like, that seems Mike, no one's Mike, doing Mike, that. Mike, uh, you got to live a day in my shoes. That's what it's like going out there in public. <laughs> Mike, you've never had an assistant, man. <laughs> well, I, I like that um, there was that first scene after the Christmas party where Emma Thompson's like, me is attractive. Or is she? <laughs> she is. Be, you be careful. And he's like, oh, I'd rather <laughs> cut her heart out with a spoon. And then it cuts to Mia just like taking off her nightgown and getting ready for bed. It's like, <laughs> so the movie's like, just in case you thought this also, wasn't an issue, it fucking is. Her bedroom looks like a music video set, too. Like, there's like purple light coming in the windows. <laughs> Guys, it's all a music video set. That's part of the fun. What was that artist you send you enjoyed? <laughs> it's funny the tone shift between them because I, I like, I really thought the, the fake out with the Joni Mitchell CD. I thought that was a very good plot point. And then I also like in general, taking a big step back, I like starting with the the arrivals at Heathrow Airport and then bringing it back to that. I think it's a good idea for a movie. So it was so weird with within these different stories that like they didn't all have that nugget where you're like, oh, the Joni Mitchell CD, that's such a good idea. He started there and worked backwards. And that's why we have this story. A lot of the other ones were like, no, and th- this fucking guy's doing that. The, the prime minister is a shy guy. <laughs> the way that was crazy. <laughs> that whole, that whole storyline. Yeah. The why way is that, he like the, Natalie was the, his uh, love interest. Yep. The fact that every single character was like, she's so fat. That's <laughs> <laughs> like a running she joke. Was, she was like a normal sized lady. You know, fat phobia aside, that is funny that there people in the movie think call her fat and she's not. And I especially like he asked for Natalie and his assistant or whoever yeah, is yeah. like, uh the chubby girl. Yeah, the chubby girl, and he's like, what do we call her chubby? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like for that joke to land, it would have been better if Natalie was like a thin, thin actress, but because she was kind of like a normal size and it was just on the line, like it made me have trouble in enjoying the joke. Right. Right. Well, right. also they, they made so many other uh, weight based jokes throughout the movie. Yeah. There was that one part where they turned the camera all together and they say fat is bad. The Portuguese girl's sister. They're like, oh. all right, Miss Dunkin Donut. And like, there's a bunch of sort of like lazy, lazy weight jokes. Why did like Colin Firth have to go into like asking her to marry him rather than like, I'm here now and let's. I agree. Know each other. I mean, I wish they could have tempered that a little bit by being sure. like, I'm asking you to be my girlfriend. 
And I'm being nitpicky, of course. Like, this is obviously not a real world scenario, and it's more. You're not being nitpicky. I think an old black and white movie has people get engaged before they've kissed. But in 2003, a movie that, like, this whole movie feels very reactionary to me. It's, it, it, because all of these weird, these love stories are fractured and, and like kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it feels like Curtis was thinking, oh, everything always goes perfect for everyone in rom-com. So I'm going to show real love. And that's why so much of it is like unrequited love or love that's been secretly brewing, but never expressed. So I do think, I don't think that you're supposed to take it as a weird fantasy because it's coming from a place of saying like movies are fantasies and this is the real thing. Yeah. And like, I guess I do like that about this movie that there are weird things like Alan Rickman (laughs) and his wife, like it's not really explained how that's okay at the end. It's just sort of like you see that they are still together. It seems like they're not together. It seems like dad is visiting and they're cool. Oh, I like that. I like that. It was a little ambiguous and and not a happy ending because everybody else was getting such schmaltzy endings. But also, uh, but what about Kira and Walking Dead? They just express their feelings, and then it seems like that's it. That yeah, was I just a get, night. Would, that did, was just a kiss. Was she? Was she like? Uh, does she like him, or was she like giving him a kiss on the cheek? Like, hey, I get that you like me, but I'm not with you. Yeah, I think it was just that a sol- a, a single secluded kiss, just to say thank you, and you're great. Yeah. This kiss, this kiss. Oh, Michael! I just I was that I was thinking that's what should have been playing when that happened. Do you think that they would rescore the movie at this point, or does that rarely happen? That rarely happens. To to do a re-release is so expensive. How did you guys feel about? First of all, another movie where Liam Neeson has a dead wife. Oh yeah, and his wife in in real life died like six months after this movie. Oh, after? I think so. Oh, geez. We should check that out. Was it after or before? I don't know. Either way, but it's just uh, odd. I did like that storyline, though. I like him with his stepson. <laughs> Why is he telling his stepson he's going to have sex all over the house, including his stepson's room? <laughs> that's, that's the best I, part. I thought that was a cool <laughs> thing because it was sort of, because there he is a stepson, there's like a little bit of distance from it. He talks to him a little bit more like an adult than you would <laughs> yeah, with your... Yeah, but, I found it weird. I, I I I liked their relationship and I just didn't think it deserved a happy ending where it was like this weird little boy is running past TSA and it's like, yeah. yes, music is soaring. And then that the girl that he was in love with, I just really wanted her to like shut him down or just get to have like his moment of saying his love and it's unrequited. But then kind of like at the end, it's like she's like back to see him and it's like. That girl's like a little star who sings and everybody climbs for her. She's not going to date the <laughs> drummer boy. Hey, he's a drummer and he's cool. <laughs> Drummers are not cool, okay? You got to get the axe man. When I was in high school, uh, this girl that I was dating said I look like the little kid from Love Actually, Oof. which is not a compliment when you're in high school and <laughs> the kid they're comparing you to is uh, 12 or whatever. <laughs> That's awful. But she what? But she did date you? She said that and she liked you? Yeah, no, the kid The kid is cool. The drummer kid the is cool. The kid's cool. Also, uh, did you see that this was going around on Twitter a bit back, but the age difference between Kira and that kid was only like five years at time of filming. Wow. Oh, really? So he was like... He was like 15 and she was like 19. Oh, that's funny. He's on, uh, he's in the Queen's Gambit on Netflix now. Yeah. Yeah. They put a weird hat on him. And I they, think he was in uh, Game of Thrones too, but I can't remember. I can like picture oh, him. Oh, shit. I, I can't remember what he did. 
He see I don't remember, but this he seems like exactly the kind of person who'd pop up in Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what story I liked, and this was shocking to me. Is I, I started again. I started this movie with an open heart, and it was kind of rubbing me the wrong way right away. And I was mad at myself because I was like, Tim, you can. Is it because? Okay, go ahead. No, no. I, what? Is it because they mentioned the twin towers in the first thirty seconds? <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. There, I actually couldn't put my finger on it. Like there, there were a lot of concrete things, but just overall, like the music felt unwarranted, and the tone of it, it, it was didn't just feel fun. The the setups didn't feel fun. I hated all the men. The men were all miserable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm watching this movie, and then when you show me a pop star, or like an aging old uh, oh. pop star, yeah, and then you show me um, actors on a movie set. Also, uh, this director really likes to write. Uh, you know, he, I think he wrote like Runaway Bride or, or Notting, Notting Hill, Hill or like yeah. those things where it's just like, there's just like famous actresses in, in the mix and it's not very relatable. But um, I was watching this movie and it started to feel very like classist where it's like, okay, so there's the prime minister, there's all these rich people, there's a novelist, like when are we going to get to the average Joe? And then when they got to the one like poor lower class person, it was like treated as like, it was like the horny guy who wanted to move to America. And it was like, look at this sleazy idiot. And I was like, oh, I don't like this story because this is me. I'm a sleazy idiot. And you're kind of treating him as despicable. And then when he went to Wisconsin, the scene where he meets all those hot girls yeah. and they all like him, I was laughing out loud because I was like, yeah. of course. I thought it was, I thought it was going to be a dream sequence because the rest totally. of the movie is so like muted. And then I was getting a big broad comedy and like all of those <laughs> ladies were actually being funny and the reveal of each of them made me laugh. I thought like, <laughs> they were like, we have to sleep in the same bed with no clothes on and we're not even the hottest one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you know, the, uh, the line that made me laugh out loud, uh, that broke my silence. I remember it, it was, we can't even f afford pajamas. <laughs> it's like they don't have, the, they have to sleep naked because they don't have money. I thought, yeah, I thought it felt like a dream thing too. I also thought it was going to be, um, they were like taking advantage of him and like stealing his money or something. Totally. Because they were like, so like, Hey, this guy's from England. Who is this guy? <laughs> See, that's what, that's what I think you get when you don't try to be realistic. Mm -hmm. Like when you're not trying to be realistic all the time, you can have a guy who dreams about going to America and thinking that he's going to fuck the first girl he sees and then have it happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's funnier to have the world be weird and then his fantasy does, tr does come true. <laughs> my, my favorite storyline was uh, Billy, the aging rocker. I thought he was really funny. He's cool. I thought like he was, uh, when he was doing that radio interview and their song, his song starts to play, he like makes these like cringy faces. <laughs> he doesn't even like his own song. So then what's with his, when he professes his love to his manager, yeah. is that a fraternal love or because they make a gay joke in the scene? And I was I, like, why? I think it's, I think it's fraternal, but like, you know, that's the odds just sort of gay panic. It is just that weird thing in 2003 is late enough that like to have it be it's one of those movies where the assumption is homosexuality just doesn't even exist. Like it would be, you know, like to bring that up, be like, okay, did you turn gay? I'm like, did it, haven't we at that point in history already gotten like my best friend's wedding or, or like a few rom-coms yeah. that have open 
uncloseted gay characters. And like MTV is already in people's living rooms doing like there's gay characters in the real world. People Mm. know what gay is and it's not as scary. So I do like the idea that someone realizes the love of his life is his friend. But that scene was written in a way that I had trouble following it. Still called him fat about a hundred times. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right, right. And turned to camera and said, you're fat, which is a bad thing to be. (laughs) Uh, that was, you know, I, I just found him funny. I thought the Kira Knightley, uh, watching the video of the dude, the walking dead guy taking all close-ups of her face mm-hmm. and her just being like, Oh, <laughs> I look pretty. <laughs> yeah. Not being like, you're a psychopath. Yeah. What do we think of that whole thing? I, that whole storyline. I thought that was weird. I didn't get what, uh, what was really happening there because what, like we said before, when she kissed him, I was like, are they now liking each other or is that one time thing that's the most movie bullshit one where you're just like this is creepy and weird yeah it's like then they do kiss and it doesn't pan out so it doesn't really matter the Mm -hmm. scene where he's standing outside her door with the big cue cards being the iconic scene from this movie that i i see referenced a lot on instagram and stuff and there was like a weird brexit commercial like a psa in england that used that uh, uh, parodied it. So when when I finally watched the scene, I was shocked to see that that wasn't like the big ending of the movie where they fall in love and get married. Yeah. And, and him walking, I thought that was an interesting choice, but then I guess it kind of bummed me out that he even got the kiss. Cause on one hand, I think that's wrong of her to run outside and kiss her husband's best friend. But then I'm also like, I, I like this guy just being like, well, I got it out of my system. It's like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Lou, that I was not a fan of the Louis TV show, but I liked when he, the three episode arc where he w- went after the letterman job and didn't get it found out that he never had a chance, but he was still proud of himself just for trying. And I thought with this, I was like, that's interesting. The guy is just like, well, I've made a big gesture and that's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll make a sh- movie like that. I thought a uh, good title for this movie. Look at love. Actually, whatever. It's fine. But I thought it could have been Mr. Bean speaks. <laughs> He, that was the funniest scene in the movie when he's wrapping up that gift. I love being another fun little like sketch moment. Come on. Fantastic. <laughs> he, he is so funny and I was so happy to see him. And then he, that he delivered laughs with like a funny, uh, when a sketch happens in the middle of a movie, it, it makes me so happy. It reminds me of Austin Powers when it's like, is this your Swedish penis enlarger? No. Well, how about this book? Swedish, <laughs> Swedish penis enlarger is in you. Where it's like a sketch. And I loved that sketch and it was such an interesting choice to put it in the most serious storyline that had the least jokes. Yeah. He shows up again. Does he do something at the end? Oh, he's getting on the plane and he's like, something's wrong with his luggage or something. I love Mr. Bean. I, I, I don't know what like the, what everyone's take on Mr. Bean is. And I could imagine it being a punchline. Right. But like Mr. Bean is so funny. He, Rowan Atkinson <laughs> is like mega rich. From, yeah, from yeah. that, so like like yeah, 150 yeah. millions of dollars rich. I think for uh, Richard Curtis, he was like the big guns too. Like, yeah, that's pulling in your old buddy. The fact that you can pull in that dude just for like a couple scenes. Yeah, but was it from all Mr. Bean stuff? Like, is that that big? Oh, he wrote Black Adder, which which Rowan was in. Right, and Rowan was like a cool comedy guy uh-huh. in in England, and then when Mr. Bean, you know, because all the those shows. Mr. Bean was this like six episode series and was kind of a small thing, but then it did break big and the movies and stuff. And that led to Johnny English and he's in rat race. Like 
I bet that Rowan Atkinson also just like did some branded thing we haven't even seen and uh-huh, made a huge uh-huh. amount of money. Man, it was uh, like I, Mr. Bean's one of those things where I would always see it on like PBS and not really know what it was. And also English TV at the time looked a little older. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just it looked different. So I was like, oh, this must be old. And so I never knew when it was like from <laughs> my friend's parents would like try and get us to watch it. And my friend Greg liked it. And I just remember thinking like, I don't know where this is from. I don't know when this is from. This just feels like stuffy Peabody award winning <laughs> comedy that I am so uninterested in at 13. It, it's like something that you watch when you're homesick from school and it yeah. makes you feel worse. But I, I did. I loved it. I've always loved uh, that original bean show, but I didn't know the time period. And I definitely, I would have never guessed that faulty towers is like 1976 and Mr. Bean is 1990. Like they look exactly the same. I seem to remember a funny Mr. Bean thing where he's like packing a suitcase. Does that ring any bells? (laughs) Yes. He's packing for a, for vacation and he like cuts his pants into shorts and stuff. Yes. So to fit everything better. (laughs) Yeah. He he, he like looks at his suitcase and he's like, I don't have room for all this toothpaste. So I'll, I'll squeeze out most of the toothpaste. (laughs) That's pretty good. I love that. He's like, he didn't go full silent. It's not like he's doing Buster Keaton or something because he does murmur and you uh-huh. get a word every once in a while. Mr. Bean. <laughs> he's a little dorky. He's great. Um, I didn't know how much of this movie was, uh, you know, watching it again. It's got a weird time period because they referenced Titanic, which came out in 1997. They show bits of Titanic. Yeah, also a pretty normal thing for a, a stepdad and a crushing son to be doing. Hey, they're fun. <laughs> they're fun. Grieving, mourning family yes. members watching a movie about somebody dying. Also, the kid's mom is Joanna, and that's the name of his the girl he's going after. Oh, yeah. That's um, weird. That's a little bit Oedipal. I'm going to read the very beginning opening monologue that the prime minister has. Uh-huh. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed, but I don't see that. It seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling that you'll find love actually is all around. Mm-hmm. Now, if that didn't orient me in a time and a place, <laughs> my God. Yeah. Very strange thing to say right out the gate. I also felt like, I think this is a good premise for a movie uh, to, to start with the arrivals and come back around. But And I've thought that I've been at the arrivals at LAX, especially international. And you really do, because international flights is usually people who have been gone longer. And you see these huge expressions of love. But like in these shots at the beginning of the movie, it's a lot of old people and and brothers and, and parents and children and stuff. And that's what I mainly see. So it was weird to set us up with that and then show us nine stories about a shy guy who has fallen in love with his assistant. Mm-hmm. And they were all, almost all of them, eight of the nine were romantic love, dating, and that's not what you see when you're at arrivals at the airport is, hey, here's a guy and his assistant that he's now having sex with. 
Well, you don't know when you look around the airport. <laughs> you don't know who's having sex with I who. do know because it's a family. <laughs> it's a family and a kid or it's old people and they're all old. I did think it was kind of weird or whatever. Convenient even for this movie that at the at the end, like the uh, one week later or one month later, where just everybody is showing up at Heathrow again. Right. Yeah. Like Joanna the singer is back for Drummer Boy. And, yeah. And... Uh, I guess the guy coming back from America, that makes sense. But it was just a, a little convenient that the entire cast of 30 was at Heathrow. Right. Well, I, was, I was listening really closely to that scene, and I heard uh, director Richard Curtis lean in and say, just please suspend your disbelief. <laughs> just fought for me. Suspend it. Suspend it. Another convenient thing, the, the song that Billy was, Billy is his name, right? The old rocker? Yeah. Was like he was going for the holiday number one. Was that is that's no way that's a thing, right? The number one holiday song. It is a thing because um, <laughs> really? when when we did our last episode, I read about um, Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues, uh-huh. and there was a lot of talk about this. I don't know about the number one, but the the Christmas list on UK pop charts is something that when you I feel like in America, you make a Christmas album and you're like, oh, I sold out and who cares? And people will buy this yeah, at yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, but it's like people strive for it. There's a chart and you're shooting for it. And I don't think that um, the weird thing is, you know, Christmas songs will come back into style every year. So like mm-hmm. in the example of the Pogues, I don't think they got number one in 1987, but then they got it several times in the early 2000s. Interesting. Well, it, it made me think of like the Eurovision stuff where it's like people are gunning for like the number one whatever song or artist or whatever. Uh, well, I'm surprised that's real. That seemed way too convenient. Hey, any UK slob heads listening, send us an email and say it's real. Yeah. Tell us what your experience is like with the Christmas holiday. One number one. Well, guys, I'm disappointed in a lot of you. Hey, we tried. Your hearts remain two sizes too small. Yeah, on this day. You know what? I was harsh right out the gate. I didn't hate it. I had fun watching it, but it's a pretty wild movie. Did you guys even watch it with your girls? No. Yes, yes. Mine didn't want to. What? So, okay, Jess didn't want to. Did Maria want to? Yeah, well, I brought it up and she was like, she's like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that with you. And we were watching it, and then we got to the end. I was like, yeah, that movie's kind of weird. She's like, yeah, that movie's, like, awful. I was like, I thought you liked this movie. She's like, I do. I was like, okay. (laughs) I mean, I have that, you know, when we've talked about, like, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, like, that, to me, I could never judge it objectively. So to hear you guys talk about it objectively, like, blew my mind, because I've just seen it 200 times. Yeah. I felt like my overall feeling was, like, so this movie did make me laugh. If I said I laughed at the the guy in Wisconsin and I laughed at Mr. Bean, if I got three or four laughs, that's like more than most comedies. But I think the parts that I disliked, I just staunchly disliked them. Mm. And um, I felt like overall I was embarrassed for the writer, knowing that Richard Curtis was like had been this like comedy guy. And then he's just indulging the schmaltz in a way that like I can't imagine if I – I'm a professional comedy writer. If I typed up this script and I emailed either of you guys the PDF, I would be so embarrassed if you read it. And it was like, Tim, why did you write nine <laughs> stories about you? <laughs> at the work? nine sides of Tim. Yeah. But they're all this. There's so many of them are in the same story, but here's here. I'm taking a big step back. Here's my, my big beef. 
And this will piss you off, Jeff, because you said you like a rom-tummer. Oh, let me have it. What is with films associating Christmas with like falling in love and romantic love? There's so many songs and so many movies that are like, well, you can't be single for Christmas. Oh, I want to fall in love this Christmas. Last Christmas I hooked up, so I hope I fall in love this Christmas. For In our generation, Christmas is like you go home and you sit in your parents' house and they feed you and it's like a one-week timeout in your life and then you go back to your life. Nobody has a fling over Christmas. Huh. I got to agree with you. I think that there is something, there's a natural dovetailing of like romance, meaning, reflection. Sure. but Right. The, the love that, you, the, love that the, the relationships sort of happen in movies and stuff, it's like, the person goes home. And it's like, oh, this person I didn't notice before, and I have a. At the end of the year, I'm reflecting on right. whatever, like what you're saying. Like Jeff. every but, Hallmark movie is that, right? But I right. do feel like that's that's foisted on me. Yeah, and and I don't like that in life. But for whatever reason, I forgive it in a romantic. Well, do comedy. you think it's do you think it's because a wonderful life? It's a wonderful life is kind of about that, and that was like a hit movie, and it's like, hey, that's that's kind of the model for a but Christmas. But that, that relationship evolves slowly over years, and it's amazing, right? And in as as we modernized him, we go, 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 and we get this thing oh, going. Yes. I, I think it's elemental. I think it's pre-movie. Tim, what you're responding to is before the medium of movies. Sure. I, th I think oh. it's like a uh, winter solstice, like this is a time of reflection. And I think probably in a bad way. People take where, stock like, of their lives, and you got to have a meaningful relationship if you want to be a positive member of society. Well, I think a century ago, if you were a 23 year old woman at home with your family, your parents would be like, why aren't you married off yet? And it, <laughs> and it was a bad thing. But as now we're Gen Z guys, yeah. um, it just fe feels like it doesn't even exist anymore. And that like, even, even the idea of love, it feels like in our lives, maybe if you like got into a relationship over the summer and then, and it's going well and you decide you're going to spend the holidays together, that's a nice thing that people do. But mm -hmm. the idea of like, look, I, I feel like Christmas is a timeout and everybody just eats too much. And that's that. <laughs> Maybe that's why you were never falling in love <laughs> during Christmas, yeah. Tim. I said, hey, out of the way, I got another drumstick. <laughs> Tim, I, you know, you come back to town. I always remember you. You were so funny in high school. I, well, I always kind of had a crush on you. Out of my way. <laughs> Must eat. <laughs> Where's the fatty goose? <laughs> well, Mike, do you do you have any sort of last? Uh, yeah, you want to shit on this movie one more time well, before we get out of here. One uh, one storyline we didn't talk about was the uh, Martin Freeman one, where he's they're in that weird porno movie. Do their stand-ins in the? I guess it's a, not even a porno movie. I don't know what it was, but they were he and that girl were like uh, miming sex positions. I thought that was kind of a, a sweet little story. It was. It made me laugh when they were like uh, awkwardly getting in a position. It was unnecessary that he needed to like yeah. cup her why breasts. Do, why while do the, the stamens need to hump? <laughs> yeah, um, I agree. I, I love Martin Friedman. Uh, Freeman. I love seeing him fresh off of like probably series one of The Office, and he's a, a cool guy. But that was that was like a not a B story, not a C story. That was a D story, and they downplayed. That it. was yeah. They every time they came back to, it, I was like, oh right, this again. Well, here's one thing. I, one thing that pissed me off, you know, in the wedding scene when everybody stood up with a bunch of trombones. Oh, yeah. Why didn't you okay. guys do that at my wedding? 
I had a big, beautiful wedding, and you guys, there was not one trombone to be found. I was going to play um, the tuba, but I couldn't, yeah. it, I couldn't keep it discreetly behind me. You said you were going to play the skin flute. That's <laughs> <laughs> yourself, buddy boy. That's it for love. Actually, it's time to look at some mail. All right. This is coming from Ben. Hello, boys. We've all seen the secret bar hidden inside a globe, but what I want to know is, in what piece of furniture... Would the sloppy boys hide their hooch? Love the pod, Benji. We've all seen this. What? I was confused too. You know when you see like a globe and you pull off the top and there's like a and there's a bar in a bunch there. of drinks in it. Yeah. Oh, a globe. Yeah. Yeah. When when I when I think of I don't think of a bar as like a small thing like that. And I was picturing a snow globe. Yeah, I was too. But that is yeah, that is technically a bar, just like a gathering of drinks. <laughs> What's the Steve Martin military movie where Bilko? Where they, Sergeant Bilko? Yeah, it's like Sergeant Bilko where you got to let's say you got to hide the full bar inside your apartment. Yeah. I I I love the globe. I do I do I was looking at those recently online and I think like those are awesome. Um I have never hidden anything in uh, uh furniture nor have I ever hidden any Oh, here's this is taking a little sidebar, but hey, I'll just say it because it's my pod. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only place I can think of like hiding uh, uh, liquor was go walk in Ithaca, like walking into a bar. I remember I had a 12 pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon out on the grass in front of Kelly's Dockside Bar. Ooh. And then uh, like one, <laughs> one at a time, I would take a, a beer out of my backpack and put it between my legs in my jeans and like <laughs> clinch it between my thighs, walk it in, <laughs> hand it off to a friend because we couldn't afford to buy beers at the bar, walk back outside, take the next can. And then a circle of like six or seven friends who <laughs> we were all drinking cans of beer that everyone knew had been squeezed between my thighs. Nice. Um, I have, remember for the, um, the, uh, the, the lifeguard life video, uh-huh. I got that uh, canteen, those those uh, binoculars that was uh, ah. flat. Oh, that was great. Those look really good, too. Those look like real, the real deal. So I brought, I brought those to the, to the beach before and ah. smuggled in some drinkage. Smart man. That's yeah. clever. And then like a, a lifeguard, ran, a real one ran up to me. He was like, I think that person is drowning. Give me your binoculars. I was like, I don't think you can use them, man. He's like, my eye. Oh. <laughs> I broke them. Um, I have been, I don't know if we've talked about this, guys. My Ninja Turtles arcade machine has shit the bed. Really? Oh, oh that's no. too bad. It bums me out because it's so large and it sort of defines where I can live. Like, for example, I live on the first floor of my building. So when it doesn't work, I feel like I just have this second <laughs> thing in my apartment that's the size of a fucking refrigerator that now doesn't work. And so I was poking around and I found what they call a Pandora's box. It's just like a ready to go solution where I can get this thing back up and running for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. But as I was poking around, I saw some people, they're putting a little mini fridge inside the belly of this thing. Hey. Oh. I, like I said, and now, so this guy, Ben, is making me think, hey. Maybe we put a a little mini fridge in there. It's funny how much a mini fridge is a very small thing that wouldn't take up space. So to have an enormous arcade cabinet, (laughs) but could be kind of cool. You know what I I have uh, seen before in like um, those magazines when you're like uh, flying and it's like those big uh, 
like useless crap magazines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, catalogs. What are those called? There's, yeah, there's one specific one with really Sky, expensive. Skymall. 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 Skymall or Hamisher Schlemmer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember talking about this with somebody. And I was like, uh, I was like, Skymall. And they said, yeah, like Hamisher Schlemmer. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that before. Anyway, those uh, like Lazy Boy recliners with the, you pull out the side and there's like a cooler in it. Oh, like the Costanza. Those look, yeah, those look really cool. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, that's great. It'd be cool to have one. <laughs> I have uh, I have this thing that I don't know what it is that's a, a giant can of Budweiser, and, <laughs> and then you take the top off, and it, it's like a cooler, but it barely, it doesn't fit, it would only fit like two beers. Hmm. So that's kind of weird. That is kind of weird. It's one of those things you. in life that makes you just say, hmm. Well, if you've got a question for the boys, email us at the sloppy boys podcast at gmail.com. Love actually the movie of the year. Thank you, Mike. Guys, we got some movies in, coming down the pipe that I'm very excited for you to see. Oh, I'm not going to say anything, but you'll say something on the pod when the time comes. Great. You guys got any movies for me coming up? I've got a, I've got a few things up my sleeve. I, uh, I'm I'm curious if listeners like when we talk movies because they, you guys email us and say yes to the movies or no to the movies. Yeah, what are you liking about the blowout? We should uh, we should tailor it to the paying guests. You guys are like the shareholders, and we have we're we're beholden to your opinion. So if you yeah, want, frankly, you got us by the bulls. In <laughs> fact, hey, well, let's just do let's say that, guys, uh, email us ideas if, for shows you want. If you want us to. We've done a lot of albums and movies and stuff like that. So if you have any ideas for those, that's easy. But anything else? If they're good, we'll do them. If they're bad, we'll fucking trash them. What I'm getting at is it's interactive. Oh, it's awesome. It's so cool. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Um, no, uh, for movies, I do want to bring in some Bergman stuff that I know oh, you guys here we would go. love. Truffo. Uh, not Truffo with that hack. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeff, did you hear this? Hanford is so refined that he thinks that Truffaut is a hack. Uh, I want to take you through some of Howard Hawks' stuff because, uh, well, uh, you'll see. It's just how, how... Howard the Duck? The sort of... Howard the Duck. Tim, you're a comedian, and I, I cannot fault you for that. <laughs> you make us laugh, which is such a gift. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. That's going to do it for the blowout. We love you, and we'll see you next time. Peace out. Goodbye. Ho, ho, ho. Oh yeah, ho ho ho. Ring dong ding a ding dong.